0: Welcome to All Things Alt Tech, a podcast about the digital ecosystem of today and alternative technologies of tomorrow. If you wanna get the latest on tech, whether that be social networks, cryptocurrencies, gizmos or gadgets, scams or scandals, this podcast is for you. If you wanna hear about privacy and free speech issues, or you just want some general banter on the creepy big tech industry, well, you've come to the right place. So strap in and enjoy. Welcome to the podcast. Today is September 19th, 2020, and today we're going to be talking about the fraudulent dot-com 2.0 economy and how we went from zero asset businesses to zero product businesses. Now, what does that really mean? Well, it's been said quite a few times already that You know, we're living in an age where the biggest taxi company has no cars. The biggest hotel company has no real estate of its own and so forth and so forth. And that trend has just kept on continuing really over the past two years, really. Look at Facebook. They have no content, but they are a content business. Look at YouTube. They are a video centric business, but they have no videos. Look at Instagram. They are a photo centric business. They have no images of their own. Look at Google. It's a search engine, but it has no records of its own. Look at Amazon, it's a major retailer selling everything, but it doesn't really have any products of its own. So you get the idea here. Now, meanwhile, what's happening in the background is amongst all these businesses, there is a bunch of end retailers, end merchants, end users that are doing all the work and are usually getting very little pay. I mean, look at Uber look at Airbnb, look at Facebook, well, in most cases the user gets zilch, but the user is the one who produces all the content that Facebook and Airbnb and YouTube and Instagram and Google get to monetize. And so that's why you've had this relentless hunt for users in tech space over the past few years. I mean, it's this hope that one day you will generate a big enough user base and you'll become so large that You basically become the marketplace, you become the town square, and you basically become the host of the party. And it's a party where you bring your own booze. The company is just providing the space. And that's kind of what's going on with the likes of Facebook and YouTube and Instagram. Now, people who defend this hollow zero asset model is what I would call it. You know, this model that Airbnb and all the other new businesses use, they'll often stress that building an online business is all about the network effects. You know, It's all about providing the infrastructure for users. And there is some truth to that, I think, but what's common amongst all these businesses that I spoke about is that if anything, they just strive to ever more centralization. They strive towards monopolization. And they do that knowing that if you get to that position, you'll enjoy all the pricing power in the world And it allows you to pursue, you know, rent seeking of that user base that you've built further down the line. Now, just as a little side note here, a little anecdote, I worked with several of the group buying clients back in the day, you know, the Groupon clones, and they were so aggressive in hunting for new users that it was basically a race to the bottom in terms of who dared to run the deepest negative margin. Who dared to spend the most money to acquire more users? Because they were all kind of so confident that one day their business would be so lucrative that it was worth betting on becoming that one monopolist, the the winner in the winner-take-all game, so to speak. Now, needless to say, all these Groupon clones, they went, pretty much they all went bust, let's be honest. And they went bust running very, very negative, very red numbers. They were deeply in the red, all of them. But anyway. Tying this into today, if you look at what Amazon has done in the past few years, it's a somewhat similar story. Now, hear me out. I think Amazon has become that one successful business. It has become the Groupon of its day, pretty much. So Amazon is basically owning the entire supply chain and it's pushing out businesses left and right. And if this continues, they're they're going to be the last man standing and they can control their margin however they want to because no one can really compete with Amazon's retail logistics and come to think of it, Amazon actually runs those logistics at a loss. So it's pretty much subsidized by the cloud computing business, the AWS services that Amazon runs. Now, obviously none of this is any good for small business and it's, well, it's not good for big business either because it just means more concentration in the market and it just keeps on increasing and increasing. Now, I think, you know, what Amazon is doing here is pretty much predatory. Now, in normal business, these kind of antics would probably be thought of as predatory pricing. I mean, you're running a business unit at a loss in order to hook customers and then drive your competitors out of business. And of course, what you then do is you raise the prices. So when you have that position in the market, you can start jacking up the prices and milking that position. Now, that's obviously considered anti-competitive. And it would probably be considered so in most jurisdictions in the US and probably would even be illegal under some competition laws. But of course, at this stage of the business cycle, it seems like laws don't really apply regarding this type of thing. Anti-competition, you know, insider trading, it's pretty much rampant anyway. And in these times, it's anything goes. Now, normally, the later you are in a mania, the closer you are to the peak of the business cycle, the more egregious the fraud becomes. Think about Enron in the first tech bubble, for example. But I think you know we're now beyond that type of behavior. We're now beyond the kind of rent-seeking, predatory pricing. We're now into plain vaporware, much like we were in uh, the first tech bubble. Now, if you think about where we are right now, I mean, first, the tech companies built enormous businesses pretty much without assets. you know. If you look at Uber, Airbnb, Facebook, and how they leverage the inputs of the end users and kind of package it up under a pretty brand and then sell it back to a mass market. So if you come to think of it, they are really selling us ourselves back to each other in a way. Now we do all the work, the tech companies get to monetize that work and they sell those products right back to us. But now, at this stage, people are basically building enormous companies without products altogether. Now, one example of this is, a light example of this is Tesla. And you know, the endless stream of non-existent products and features that Elon Musk keeps announcing. And just as a little refresher on this, and I have spoken about this extensively on this very podcast in the past. It's now been nearly five years since Musk promised that Teslas would have cross-country summon within just a couple of years. Now, obviously that did not happen. It's uh, four years ago since Musk said that they would start producing an autonomous minibus and that that would happen in a couple of years. It's also four years ago since Musk announced their solar roof tiles. Now, supposedly these were to be installed starting 2017, Now, there's zero evidence that Tesla ever had even one functional solar roof tile. Moving on, it's three and a half years ago since Tesla started taking deposits for flights around the moon, and those were scheduled for 2018. It's amazing what this guy gets away with, because the list just goes on and on and on. I mean, there were these solar-powered superchargers. There were rockets to London. There were semi-trucks, dirt bricks fixing the water in Flint, Michigan, (laughs) submarines, solar-powered factories, robo-taxis, and, oh yeah, and ventilators. What happened to those ventilators that Tesla was supposed to be producing? Anyway, you get the point. Now, there have been so many disingenuous announcements with so few consequences that it's absolutely baffling. And the media kind of plays along with it. They're spreading headlines such as, you know, whenever Musk announces some wild idea that's never going to materialize, the media just kind of goes, Elon Musk to operate flights to Mars or Elon Musk to let the blind see, et cetera, as though there is any truth to these claims, as though they are kind of helping spread the good news. But in reality, of course, most of Musk's announcements have been misleading or f- lies or fraudulent in some way and they result in pretty much absolutely nothing. Well, that's not quite true because what these announcements enable is hype. It helps craft this mirage image of the new Thomas Edison. What the media is really doing is it helps create the next Jeff Skilling, more like it. It helps create the next Enron, which I think Tesla will turn out to be. Now, of course, all of this uh, success that Tesla has achieved, now success in giant air quotes, what it does do though is it brings about a lot of, or it's starting to bring about some copycats. Because nothing attracts fraud like seeing a fraudster get away with it. So you now have a copycat business, business of Tesla. And it's such a copycat that even the name is a blatant copy. Now that company is called, drumroll, it's called Nikola. I mean, how utterly uninspiring and unoriginal. Now, Nikola, of course, have also copied the decidedly Tesla esque feature of pre orders. So, in other words, Nikola are charging customers for products that don't yet exist. I mean, in the software industry, this is often called vaporware, and it's pretty much frowned upon these days. It's not cool to do that anymore. But, Nikola, they are allowing their customers to pre-order the vehicle called the Honey Badger. And that is their battery electric vehicle that is supposedly yet to come out. Now my favorite aspect of this is that they have these various packages on their website. And if you look at what's currently available, there is the Honey package. Apparently all the other packages have sold out. Now, how you sell out of a non-existent product, I'm not quite sure. But that honey package is there still, and it's available. And it goes for a price of $5,000. And the car itself seems to be costing sixty dollars to $80,000. Wow, that is an expensive car. In fact, you could buy a working car just for the price of that deposit and have it right now. What does separate Nikola from Tesla is that Nikola has already gotten into trouble with the SEC. Now, this is due to a apparently fraudulent and misleading product demo or product display. Now, Nikola has actually been around for a good while already, but it didn't get all that much attention before recently. Now, just a bit of history here. I mean, back in December of 2016, the founder of Nikola, a guy by the name of Trevor Milton he unveiled a prototype of their first vehicle named the Nikola One truck now in 2018 they released a youtube video where they showcased this uh, this truck it's a hydrogen powered thing and the video kind of shows it majestically powering through the desert with you know this dramatic music in the background and it all it all looks very convincing and powerful now it's now come to light that this truck was not well powering through the desert at all it wasn't particularly powerful. In fact, it had no power. It was apparently being rolled down a hill. So they allegedly tilted the camera to make it look like the truck was, you know, traveling under its own propulsion. In other words, I mean, this was all fake. It was deception, it was fraud, and it was designed to make you believe that that darn thing existed and was functional. Now, it was a group called Hindenburg Research, a short selling group, to be honest that uh, published this report that raised suspicion as to what was actually going on. And this is what it took for the SEC to at least start an investigation. We'll see what's yet to come out of this, but at least now there seems to be an investigation, finally. But of course, I mean, all of this is pretty minor compared to, well, the antics of Elon Musk. I mean, I mentioned all the products that he's announced that have never even materialized in the slightest. And of course, all these announcements have had a profound impact on the share price. But it looks like the founder of Nikola might not enjoy such a smooth ride. And I think that's probably because he's not enough of a media darling. He's not going to get away with things so easily. Now, Nikola has recently been scolded in the media, much like, you know, Theranos was laughed at and is generally, you know, ridiculed for the most part at this point. But not 100%, though. You do still see defenders of Nicola. In fact, you still see defenders of Theranos, still to this day. And in fact, you know, there is this kind of worrying trend that I see that people almost celebrate this corner cutting and fraud or semi-fraud and this kind of cowboy behavior that all these guys partake in. And it's this kind of nihilistic, slightly kind of cynical, you-do-whatever-it-takes-to-make-it-big kind of ethos that you see kind of reminds me a little bit of this Wall Street bets type of mentality that you see on Reddit where people kind of gamble on options to try and make it big overnight, try and make a a million literally in in a month. And also what this kind of corner cutting and cowboy behavior speaks to, it's this kind of ethos of anything for the cause, you know, any means necessary, success by any means or profit by any means, I should say. And that reminds me of a little Side story here, you know, and just as a small aside, for a brief moment, this was years and years ago back in university, I remember actually considering a career in finance and I actually interviewed with a few investment banks and this was before the 08 crisis really hit. And I did spot something interesting, and something that kind of turned me off to the whole industry. And that was that they were not just looking for people who thought outside of the box; they were looking for rule breakers, as they called them. And some of them actually openly, you know, said so. They said they kind of conveyed that to really get ahead, to really move the needle inside of a business, and to you know succeed in your career and in finance, you can't play by the rules. So ethics and morals and principles those are second to financial success for sure. And that was not even something that they kept secret at the very, very earliest stages of engagement with them. And I think it's a similar kind of mindset at this stage of the market cycle. It's nihilism. It's, well, you get it. Anyway, getting back to the dot-com stuff here. In the first dot-com bubble, people were investing in companies without working products. And we kind of laughed at it after the fact. You know, how could somebody be so dumb to invest millions of their money in you know, fictional products, just a story or just an empty promise with nothing of tangible assets? I mean, not even the crudest prototype. Well, now in this stage of the second bubble, we are back to investing in companies without products. I mean, we're back to investing in stories. We've come full circle and it didn't even take very long. Because, I mean, now investors are funneling their money back into tech stocks under the guise that, you know, valuations no longer matter because apparently it's now a new paradigm, you know, old school stuff like margins and earnings growth and PEs and CAPE ratios and all that stuff. You can throw it out the window because it's a a new world. Now, granted, we are in uncharted territory, financially speaking, in that we are printing money by the trillions but we're not in uncharted territories in the sense that valuations will matter in the very long term. Because here's the thing, these asset-less businesses, I mean, they were up until recently seen as, you know, elegant, uh, lean and so forth. But now we see companies like Airbnb starting to struggle and we see how brittle they actually can be. Because here's the thing, Airbnb, They can't just overhaul their inventory because they have no inventory of their own. And, you know, Uber can't just put their drivers to use as delivery drivers because they don't have employees they can boss around and so on. And this is the downside to this assetless model. And, you know, techies, they love to talk about how networks grow logarithmically and so forth, but it also means that they decline logarithmically. And that's what we might well see here over the next few months and years. And, you know, we have had one heck of a surge upwards in terms of tech development and, well, particularly in terms of stock prices. Now, we're going to see if we have truly hit a permanent plateau here. I mean, I, for one, doubt it. But I would not bet on a prolonged stock market decline. Sure, we could have some pullbacks. We could have another one, another crash even. But rest assured that the Fed and the ECB and all these other institutions, they will do whatever it takes to levitate the markets and to drive them way back up again. Now, as you might recall, if you've been listening to this podcast for a while, I did successfully short the crash as I saw COVID coming. I was short the general markets back in March. But I did get out when I saw that tsunami of funny money on the horizon. And I think that if you are going to short this market, you could be given a heck of a wedgie. So the only way I personally play this is to go long volatility because anything could really happen to the upside or downside. And by the way, that is not financial advice. It's not advice of any kind, in fact. But what do you think? Are businesses with no proprietary hard assets still the way of the future? You know, are Nikola and Tesla outright frauds? Do you foresee a crash in the tech markets? Or will central bank intervention make sure this can never again happen? Let me know what you think. By the way, if you like the podcast, make sure to subscribe. If you really like it, leave a review on iTunes or Stitcher or Google Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. And thanks for listening to the podcast. Well, that's it, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks for listening. If you want to comment on an episode, suggest a topic, or you want to support the podcast, visit nyman.media/podcast. That's n y m a n.media/podcast. You can also help out by leaving a review wherever you're listening from. And thanks for listening.